Welcome back today, guys, to Hey Bub Outdoors, and thanks for joining us today. We have a special guest with us. Uh, Adam Keith from Landon Legacy has decided to join the Hey Bub Circus, and uh, Adam, it's really good to have you on here today, man. Yeah, thanks for joining. Uh, Adam is a co-founder, along with uh, Matt Dye, of Landon Legacy, uh, which is a consulting company that works with landowners to help them understand uh, their their land and its potential and ways they can start uh, managing it in the right direction. And uh, today we're excited. Matt and I kind of feel like we have a, a, a hero in our lives. We are land and legacy disciples, Adam. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I can't thank you guys for having me on enough. Um, yeah, it's just a exciting times for us you know we're right in the middle of consulting season but that's just a part of a fraction of what we do in, in the year of just working on not only on our own farms but working with landowners and we do a podcast and so just overall helping people uh, appreciate understand not only their state of the land currently but the history of it what it looked like maybe a couple hundred years ago and just overall just make it a healthier ecosystem yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate you being on. And uh, all of their info, all of Land and, Land and Legacy's info is going to be in the description below. So please uh, give them, check their stuff out, give them a follow on social media. Uh, one really cool thing, Matt Matt and I are both representing our Land and Legacy gear. Actually, I think I've, I've I don't know if I've collected every single lid or not, but I have a bunch of them, uh, one yeah. for every season. And uh, <laughs> But actually, the cool thing about these caps, not only do they actually fit my humongous head but they uh they also uh go to promote and uh they donate to conservation with these hats these are their conservation hats with really cool patches i think matt's uh yeah the patches are cool yeah i have i actually have two different versions of this patch but two different colors but yeah i do too yeah Yeah. i got the turkey lid here uh and then i have a wood duck quail uh what other patches do you guys have adam that's man you've got i think i have them all yeah, yeah, we've got the, the the wood duck, the quail, the deer, and the turkey. So yeah, I'm a hoarder. I have them all. <laughs> well, we got more in the, in the works, so you have to collect a few more. Sweet, sweet. Well, Matt or Adam, we don't want to uh, change. Now, here's the funny thing: uh, you guys are Adam and Matt. Uh, we're Adam and Matt, and uh, our this entire podcast lives, was meant to be. Our entire lives. Our names yep. have been confused. So if I call you uh, Matt, Adam, don't be offended, okay? <laughs> yeah, I won't. You know, what's funny is I've got three first names. My, my full name is Adam Brett Keith. And so we get emails, people are like, hey, Adam and Keith, or hey, Matt and Keith, hey, you know, and it's just like, whatever. It's just, yeah, you just, <laughs> it works. You got to us, whatever. I don't care what. <laughs> Yeah, so we want to just want to get things started, and uh, you know, I uh, 15 years ago, I was uh, I remember I was part of a little group called uh, HuntingNet.com. I don't know if you've ever part of that yeah. message board or not, but okay. my 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 uh, my handle on there was Manage for Him, meaning I, I felt called to like manage for God. And I yeah. want to be honest with you, I had no idea what that meant. And I still am learning what it means to manage ground for him. But I think Matt wants to just kind of, he, he brought up a really good question before, before our, our time together here today that he, he wanted to ask about how can we know like we're going in the right direction with land yeah. management? So, yeah, I think for me, 
up until the past few years, Matt or Adam, there you <laughs> go. starting it off, starting it off right. Adam, where you and uh, and Matt, I mean, you started releasing these podcasts that were so educational. To me, a lot of the information was new. Um, having grown up spending time in the outdoors, I thought that you know I, I understood what a good habitat was. It was cornfields and and yeah. crops and you know and deer loved that and that's the places they wanted to live and and other creatures loved that. Um, but after listening to your podcast, I mean, my eyes were open pretty quickly that there are so many other indicators that kind of push um, my mind in a different direction of what healthy looks like. So Matt or Adam, if you could just explain, there we go again. Um, what are some of those key indicators that show us, okay, this is a healthy habitat for wildlife versus an unhealthy one? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we look at it and try to address that. And it, it, you can do it with several different senses. You can go see it. You can go there and hear it. That's one of the big ones that I like is there's certain things about properties that have a, a very diverse uh, plant communities and a diverse habitat. And when you're there during times of the year, spring, summer, early fall, where you can just hear nature, you can hear God's creation just singing. And we're all there. There all there's bugs buzzing. There's birds singing. There's bobwhite quail whistling. Whatever it may be, you can just hear calling and sounds, and that's one way. Um, for us, it's kind of a complex thing of you know how do, how do you address and know you're going in the right direction, and so you can take it from various places in in the United States and say, okay, we're in the northern states. How do we know we have a, a healthy ecosystem? It's like when you look at those stressful periods of time, late winter, most importantly, do you have major kill-offs? Do you feel like all your deer are herded up and they have to move around almost like caribou, migrating from lands from one person's landscaping to the next and eating all these plants that are most likely non-native? That's a pretty good indicator that something's way out of whack. Are you seeing that half the deer or, or you know, you're finding a dozen deer dead from winter kill on your place? That, that's a pretty good sign that they can't make it and you've got something out of whack. Um, but if you have certain plants or animals that are, are in particular like rough grouse, who's struggling, it's not, it's not thriving by any means, but on your farm, you've done some timber management, you've got some early successional places, you've got some young forests, and all of a sudden you're seeing more grouse than you were two years ago. That's a pretty good indicator that I'm doing something right because there are certain animals that really key, on, key in on quality habitat. White-tailed deer isn't one of them. They're pretty adaptable, but there's certain animals, birds in particular, that they have to have quality habitat. And if you don't have it, they're not there. And bobwhite quail being one in the South, um, you can also look at like, um, do you have a healthy forest? Uh, you know, if you're looking at your landscape and you're saying, okay, I, I'm really not sure what this was, but somebody tells me this is supposed to be a woodland, but it's closed canopy and I'm not seeing that many birds during the summer months, probably a pretty good indicator your forest isn't healthy. It's not attracting a lot of insects. I like it. I like really keying on the birds most importantly, because they're beautiful. They make amazing calls. Most of them, unless it's a blue jay, poor guy, can't sing worth a hoop. But um, you've got these birds like tanagers, whether it's scarlet tanagers or summer tanagers, and they really key in on woodlands. So if you're managing and you're kind of doing some active timber management, and all of a sudden there's these beautiful red birds flying around and making beautiful calls, you're like, whoa, I've never seen that bird before. 
you know you're doing something right for 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 the woodlands and when you see more birds that means there's more insects and having more insects means you have more plant diversity so that's that's one of the big ones and and you know white getting whitetail hunters to understand that they should be concerned about a little bitty tweety bird or a whole bunch of them is is it's an uphill battle but i feel like uh we're we're headed in a direction where more and more people are talking about it yeah adam you mentioned a term there timber management yeah. um a couple times what does that look like so out here in pennsylvania we have a ton of forest so yeah. what is what does that look like in application for say here on the east coast or some of the big forest areas across the country well i would i would probably say that anybody could get in their car and drive along the road and see a big chunk of timber and probably understand that's not timber management. I'd, I'd just make a, a guess because active timber management is not occurring in a lot of the United States, but it's, you know, you got to think about it. If you've got trees growing, um, you, there's got to be some form of management. You don't see corn out in a field filled with weeds and people are just like, ah, oh, that's it. We'll go in there and harvest the corn and leave the weeds. No, there's some kind of management to ensure the future of a crop harvest. And in timber, when I say timber management, it's like, what are the goals? Is it, is it we want to cut some logs and make some income? We want to create a healthy forest? Do we want to create healthy habitat? For me, it's all three. And uh, so we're going to manage to have, make sure that we're not having a ton of trees stacked in competing with each other. You know, it's not, okay, eight pounds of acre, or let's just say soybeans, 41 41,000 seeds is what we're shooting for. But, you know, soybeans are great. So let's do 82,000. Let's just double it because more is better, right? No. And it's not the case for trees either. So we need to manage our forests with timber management, whether that be through a timber harvest with a logging operation, and we're doing some active just removal of trees and harvesting those crop trees and letting that next generation grow up. Or is it going and just cut the weed trees out that aren't ever going to make any kind of valuable log? and put those in a position where they're more valuable for wildlife and open up that canopy so the crop trees that are there have more nutrients. Yeah, I think, I think for me even, I think I understood that to an extent, but I think a lot of people still have the mindset that, hey, cutting down trees, we don't want to do that. No. Why would, why would you disturb this, this beautiful forest with all these mature trees that have been around for 100 years or whatever that might be? Um, yeah, so I appreciate you shedding some light on that. The two biggest, I don't know if I'd say lies, but two biggest things that have been told to us in the last 50 years that frankly are not true is that to save the world, we plant trees and to, and uh, forest fires are bad. Smokey tells us only you can prevent forest fires. And it's like, hey, we really need active prescribed fire to help our ecosystems. And we need to, to know that cutting trees isn't all bad. And it's actually pretty beneficial. Carbon... Yeah. Um, carbon that's, uh, you know, whether we want to believe climate change, global warming, whatever it may be, we know that we don't, we'd rather have our carbon in the soil or stored somewhere rather than in the air and trees store it in their trunks. And so if we're removing those trees, turning it into furniture, that's carbon that we're putting in our house. It's just stored. It's not being released in the air. So I think we need to get a lot more, uh, aware of the fact that active timber management is great for the environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, which leads me to the next part. I, I'm glad I get to ask this question because, you know, this this, this stuff is, uh, it, it stirs up all kinds of excitement in me. Just hearing you talk about, uh, talk about this, Adam, right now, uh, I, to, I told you that, uh, you know, 
we have, uh, I have a timber uh, a harvest starting today in, in Indiana on the farm that, that I uh, try to manage there. And uh, what would you say are the two biggest tools? You've already kind of hinted it, I think maybe at the direction you're going to go, but for people that say, you know, I, I don't, that's too big of a job for me. Uh, I, I, I don't know how to land, you know, manage land. What uh, we're going to steer them your way and just say, you need to listen to Adam and Matt over at Land and Legacy about these practices. But for, for instance, what are two simple land management tools that are incredibly helpful and can make all the difference in someone's property? Man, I, I, that's uh, when you sent that over, I was like, well, I know the first one's chainsaw. Hands down, if you don't own a chainsaw and you own land, talk to your wife, do whatever you got to do to get a chainsaw. Because I can almost promise you that, especially if you're in the North, that what you do with chainsaw is going to go leaps and bounds better than what you could do with a no-till drill or a, a corn planter or any kind of food plot. The chainsaw comes first. Um, number two really kind of depends on the region, but I would say here in the, in the Ozarks, I would say a drip torch and everything else I can get by, I can figure out other ways, but I really can't go around and get away from the fact that I need to cut thin some timber and I need to use prescribed fire because that in itself, if all I did was those two things, I would have an amazing farm that people would drool to see. And so, uh, you know, those are the two, but if you're in certain states like Pennsylvania where prescribed fire isn't as, um, you can't use it as easily as you can here in Missouri, I would say probably a herbicide application, an applicator of some sort because invasives are so problematic out in the east, Eastern United States. Yeah. Chainsaws and fire guys. I mean, that's it. what, what more, uh, and how much more fun can you have? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> chainsaws and fire. Any, any more fun. And there's so many analogies or so many connections with the, with God, the creator in that. And yeah, that, like for me, I think about that so many times, you know, as young men, we struggle, we make mistakes and we think I'm not worthy or I'm never going to be accepted back because I've just made so many errors in my life. And you look at so many landscapes that have been struggling and you're like, Oh, this is terrible. And then you can send, you know, a chainsaw crew in there and prescribed fire. And you're like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And we're like, I shouldn't have just judged that acre on the, I see it a lot in real estate. I shouldn't just look at that piece, that piece of ground and say, ah, oh, it's never going to be anything when a little bit of time in the fire and woof, it goes crazy. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Well, I know some of the folks that are going to be listening to this, Adam, uh, maybe don't have ground. Maybe they yeah. hunt and they don't have access. You know, they don't have permission to do some of the things that we're talking about. Or maybe they, they uh, you know, they enjoy the outdoors, but they live in town. Um, would you share a little bit on how even decisions they make, people that might not be quote unquote land managers, but people who live in maybe, you know, housing additions or in town somewhere, how their decisions actually still do affect the landscape? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm, where I'm sitting today is in the suburbs of Springfield, Missouri, and a rather large city in, in, in Missouri. And I'm in a subdivision and, and I look out my window and I just beg to be on the farm. And, and, uh, but here I am as long, just as, and, you know, there's as many other guys in the same situation. And so how do we really improve the landscape if we don't even have the land to improve? And the big thing that, so many guys that are in rural Missouri or rural Pennsylvania um, that are 
not too far away from these suburbs are dealing with things that are going wrong in the suburbs. And a lot of it has to do with planting invasive species or planting these non-native species that are like a bird makes a lot of berries, a bird goes and eats the berries, flies over 10 miles and ends up passing that berry and it grows up and it's a non-native, it has no natural predator. And all of a sudden it starts sweeping across the rural parts of the country. And it's a huge problem. So I think guys in suburbs, there's a couple things they can do. Start trying to address native landscaping or promote natives, even in their own yard and go, you know, this isn't much, but at least in my quarter acre, I'm going to make a difference. And I think a lot of those guys, if you designate part of your flower bed into maybe planting some native milkweed and all of a sudden you've got a monarch caterpillar flying in, I think there's a lot of kids that would enjoy seeing that or a lot of wives that would enjoy seeing that or neighbors. And then all of a sudden you can just knock on your neighbor's door. Hey, this is something I'm working on. I'm going to go get these plants. Would you like to add them to your flower beds? Let's work together. I think we can create something cool here. Um, and not only that, but you know, that's, that's actually working to make a difference. But I think a big thing that really needs to happen is the overall just understanding and the education that, some of the stuff that's occurring in rural part of the country is good for the landscape. I think timber management gets a really bad, mm -hmm. uh, it's really bad wording. Um, the branding isn't great for hunters in general. We look right. at we're a bunch of rednecks riding around with deer in the back of our truck. Or on top of your car. Or on top of your car. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's so much rebranding that needs to happen of we need to change our message and we need to really, uh, for those guys that live in the city that are still hunters and have that education, they need to be working with their neighbors that may be seeing them as a, some dumb redneck and being like, you know, I do hunt, but that's a very small part of what I'm doing. I'm out there on the landscape. I'm fixing, I'm fixing the habitat. I'm restoring the native landscape. So there's so many more animals that are benefiting. And there's a very small part of that time of the year that I'm actually hunting but better yet, when I am hunting, I'm bringing food home for my family and I'm not going to the grocery store and taking it out of your hands because of it. So yeah. overall, we just need to rebrand, change our image and just talk more about the work we're doing for all the wildlife rather than focus on, I'm just doing it for the deer. Yeah. Man, so good. So good. Some good nuggets in there. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate you. We appreciate your willingness to, you know, the thing I've heard you say over and over again is it's all for the glory of God. And yeah. uh, this is why he made, you know, this was the first, this, um, the preacher and me's coming out. Like this was the first uh, like assignment God gave us was to take first care job. of this. Yeah. The, the creation job. was made to be manipulated so it can fully express you know, God's creative purposes. That's why he put us here to tend to it and steward it. And so, man, you were given some, some clear direction on that. And uh, we really appreciate it. And he didn't say, I'll sorry to cut you off, but he didn't say pick the animals you like and manage for them. He said, manage it, care to be a care, yeah. look after it. Yeah. He didn't get to say, you can pick white tailed deer and the heck with everybody else. No, he didn't yeah. say yeah. it. So yeah. we got to manage the whole place. Bro, yeah, so that's, that's a good clarification to make. I mean, I know you guys talk about that a lot in your podcast, just managing for all wildlife, not a specific species. Cause especially as like, I know a lot of deer hunters, like we're all we care about. Is, oh, well, we want to see those big antlers coming through or whatever, or just increase numbers. But like you said, there's so many smaller species like birds and other things, which are key indicators for, Hey, there's, there's good forage around here for deer as well, most likely and good cover. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, just to add real quick, you, you talked quite a bit there about native species and invasive species. What are some ways so people can identify, hey, there's invasives in my backyard or um, if they want to buy some natives, what are some opportunities for people to do that? Yeah, so uh, most states have a great some sort of information website where you can go and find probably the top 10 invasive species for our state or the most commonly found ones. Uh, another way, if you're going into, a, into a, a farm or a woodland or wherever you're going and you notice that there's certain, it seems like one, more, one plant is way more prevalent than the others. There's so many apps on a phone that you can take some pictures and be like, plug it in, oh, it's that. That says it's not native. It's considered an end quick uh, search on online and realize that, oh, um, this is highly invasive. I probably need to remove that. Um, but a lot of state agencies have great information on that um, to, help, to help landowners. When it comes to sourcing it, once again, there's a lot of state forestry programs where they sell native seedlings so people can buy at a very affordable price and plant. Um, but then there's many uh, native plant companies that grow and harvest and and sell those so it's it's out there you just uh, quick search online and you can find them great adam thank you so much man we really appreciate your time and that's this is adam keith with landonlegacy.tv you can check them out on facebook at landon legacy and uh, do check out their website they offer all kinds of services but man we we have just learned and grown we really appreciate you and your willingness to teach and uh, keep up the good work man i appreciate it thanks for having me fellas thanks thanks adam